scripture memory verse tonight, Philippians 4, 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Philippians 4, 5. Anybody else? Good job. Anybody else? Philippians 4 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Philippians 4 5. Good job. Anybody else? I thought maybe Ray would do it, but. I was waiting on the ladies. Oh, uh, was you? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Philippians uh, so 4 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Philippians 4 5. Good job. That's what I was trying to get to is that we're all saying gentleness, which is New King James, but the King James really uses the word moderation. And it's an interesting uh, place to be when you look at it. So, anybody else? Good job, Ray. Thank you. You want to try it, Addison? You know, you know it, sweetheart. Please. Okay. I know she knows it because she said it. Is he saying, I believe in you? You're getting even a cheerleading. Take your time and you can do it. Okay, sweetie, just pray. You don't want to do it? Okay. She did it at home, so I know she knows it. Um, now, remember, we're looking at like, like a little cluster here. We're going to do four. We're going to do five. We're going to do probably six. I don't know if I'm going to go on to, um, we're going to do six and seven. I don't know if we're going to do eight or not yet. But, you know, really con contextually, we want to know that this actually started, it's about war. It's about, it's about an attack. It's about persecution. It's about the devil lying. It goes all the way back to chapter three. If you remember, chapter three, verse one says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious. And it's so important that we do that. I do it often. I like to remind you. I like to say the same thing over. I like to be repetitive. And it's not tedious to be reminded of the fact that we are under attack by the enemy. That things are going on and we're supposed to still rejoice. Remember last week's verse, Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So no matter what's going on, we can have joy. We can rejoice in the Lord, not in the problem, not in the battle, but knowing that we're here behind enemy lines and we can still rejoice and have joy in the Lord. And that's the context that we're looking at when he says, let your gentleness, let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And he's always at hand, isn't he? Isn't the Lord always at hand? He's, he's everywhere. He's our ever-present help in time of need. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And it just so happens that gentleness, when you translate it gentleness, and this word is translated uh, gentleness three times, moderation once only, and patience once. Uh, so uh, gentleness and even patience are both fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. Remember it says the fruit of the Spirit is love and it looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Moderation is not a fruit of the Spirit. So we need to, to remember that as we look at this. But it's really in context again of chapter 3 verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because he says he's warning us Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Be beware of mutilators. This is false teachers outside the body that don't have the spirit that are trying to destroy the body of Christ. For we are, this is 3.3, 3, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. 
And then he goes on to say that if anybody should have confidence in the flesh, he could have confidence in the flesh. And he gives his testimony and he says he counts it all dung. And then he wants to have fellowship with God. And if you continue to follow this, he's talking about, don't be deceived, rejoice in the Lord. Press on toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus because our conversation or our citizenship, the place that we truly live in the spirit is in heaven. It's not down here. So don't get caught up. Don't be deceived by things down here. Stay focused on rejoicing in the Lord. Stay focused on things up there. And he even says, as you get into it, when you get into chapter 4, he keeps talking about it. And he actually is talking about fellow workers. And he says, whose names are in the book of life. So listen, he's wanting us to stay focused on, not be deceived, focused on joy in the Lord, no matter what's going on in persecution, no matter what the devil's lying about, no matter what the battle might be, no matter anything that's going on, we can have joy because the Lord is on the throne. His spirit dwells in us. And then he says that we should let our gentleness be known to all men, not just believers, but all men, we should continue to be led by the Spirit, led by the fruit of the Spirit, growing in the Spirit, but having moderation or a balance in how we act. Don't get carried away because of the Spirit of God. And then he says this, the Lord is at hand. See, the Lord is there. He's drawing nigh. We can draw nigh to him and he'll draw nigh to us. But listen, your gentleness, what, what do all men know about you? Think about this for a minute because this is our testimony. He's talking about continuing in our joy no matter what is going on, whether it's a pandemic, whether COVID is real, whether the battle is real, whether the enemy's trying to destroy us, whether we have enough money, whether we have this or that down here, our witness should still be about up there. That we should still be rejoicing in the Lord and we should make sure that, that they know it by our very actions, that we should have the fruit of the Spirit, we should have gentleness, we should have patience, we should have a moderation because the Lord is at hand. And that's what we keep our focus on is that this is about the Lord. He purchased us with His blood. We're not supposed to let these things move us. Next week's verse, remember, be careful for nothing, be anxious for nothing, worry about nothing. See, this is in context of war. It's in context of false teachers. It's in context of having fellowship with God, trusting in God, rejoicing in God, keeping our eyes fixed upon this, what's coming. Keeping our eyes fixed upon, not looking behind us, he says in chapter 3, in the rearview mirror, but looking onward and upward. In the heavenly places, what God is doing, how he's going to grow us up, no matter what's going on, if we keep our eyes fixed upon him, he's going to change us into his image for his glory for such a time as this. See, there's a lot going on. We're at three fifty dollars for gas. We're going to be at $6 for gas next year. It's going to go more. We have hyperinflation going on. There is a forced destruction of America going on. We see the devil's agenda in the one world order and his government trying to take control by fear and power. And he's trying to decimate and kill us. They're doing it with pharmacy. They're doing it with the troubles of the world. And God would say, rejoice because your redemption draweth near. Don't look at what they're doing. Plan. I would encourage you, put some food up, put some things up. Prepare yourself because the shelves are going to go empty. They're doing this on purpose to take control of America so that all of us will need to go, whatever will we do? The whole world, the economy is crashing. The whole world, the shelves are empty. We need a one world leader to take care of us. Somebody who's so brilliant, we need a savior. Listen to me. Don't listen to dogs. It's not tedious for me to continue to tell you. Beware of those that are outside the body of Christ telling you what to do. We are those of the circumcision. Our hearts are being circumcised. The flesh is being cut away. We're listening to the Spirit of God, and we understand what's going on. We're not being led by the news and becoming anxious and worried and freaking out. 
Because we know what our hope and our future is. So we want people to know about our gentleness. We want to be moderate in what we do. We want to be balanced in what we do. Proclaim truth and wait upon the Lord. He's at hand. He's coming soon. Do you understand this? Listen to me. This is why we are called into the body of Christ. This is why we're called to the word, prayer, and fellowship. To learn the truth. To share the truth. To be gentle with all men. Listen, gentleness, gentleness is not uh, soft and fluffy. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, it is is to be mild. It is to be moderate. We are to be patient. But we're supposed to be calm in mind. Not worried and anxious. That's the next verse. We're going to get to that. We're supposed to be calm because we're rejoicing in the Lord. We're learning that Jesus, others, and in yourself, you can have peace in the Lord because he's on the throne. Nothing is out of control. Everything's falling into place. This is exactly what God would, said was going to happen at the end of the age. So we still want our witness to be the same. Not to be anxiously looking about. Not to be freaking out. Not to be going, oh no, what are we going to do? We should be those that hear from God. We hear his voice. He knows us and we follow him. So we're preparing. We're ready. We're just like right now, it's turning a winter, right? Fall is gone. We're starting to see frost and cold and freezing. And you know, the animals, what are they doing? They've already put some stuff up. They're ready. They're ready for what's coming. And, and they don't even have the Spirit of God. And the Creator, Yahweh, the Creator, God, he, he wants to know us personally and have fellowship with us. He wants us to hear His voice. He wants us to know what's going on. He tells us the end from the beginning, and yet the church goes, what's going on? This is freaking me out. And then we're not gentle. And then we're not having moderation. And then we're not realizing that the Lord is at hand. Listen to me. Listen to me. Why should we let... This is what I like. Listen to this. I was like, what? I was like, what? Anyway, the word let is the same word for no. They're both gnosko. They're both the word for understanding. See, we want people, we let them see by our witness and know and come to know that we're still gentle and moderate, that we're not freaking out. We're like Noah building an ark. They're all freaking out and go, what do you mean rain? It's never rain. And we're like, well, we're still going to just keep doing what the Lord told us to do. We're going to build this boat here. Okay, me and my sons, we're building this boat. We've been doing it for 119 years and some odd days. And here pretty soon at 120 years, he said it's going to rain. And we just trust him. Well, Noah, why is all these animals coming? Where are, they going to, where are you going to do with them? Well, they're all going to get on the boat. Can you imagine him preaching righteousness and saying, the righteous God who created the heavens and the earth, the one who created me, he created you. He wants you to come and live for him. And you continue to rebel. You continue to ignore. You're not even listening to what I'm preaching to you. And he's going to bring judgment. And it's coming again soon. The Lord is at hand. Think about it. What he means is judgment is at hand. When he says the Lord is at hand. See, because that's what happens. When the church is raptured out, judgment will come. The, the, the tribulation will come. Followed by judgment on all of the sons of disobedience that are not listening. That are not allowing the spirit to let their gentleness and their moderation be known. This word for gentleness is used in 1 Timothy 3.3 3, uh, for overseers of the church. They're supposed to be gentle. It's used in Titus 3.2 for those that are Christians living righteously in society. They're supposed to have gentleness and moderation. They're not supposed to be out of control and chasing the world and living the same way the world is living. It's used in James 3.17 to explain the pure and peaceable and gentle wisdom of God as compared to the wisdom of the world that's earthly, sensual, and demonic. And you can look those up. It's 1 Timothy 3, 3, Titus 3, 2, and James 3, 17 is, is where this gentleness is used at. And, of course, here it's really moderation in the King James. And I think moderation is a good word for it. 
It's meaning to be mild, to be patient. Uh, 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 it means to. Um, it means to have some forbearance with people that aren't getting it. So to have some, you know, some some patience with them to help them understand it, and not to be like you just don't understand nothing. No, to, to have a little bit of calmness with it and to explain it to them and allow the Spirit of God to see it. But there's a calm witness that we will have even in the storm, even in the battle, even when the enemy attacks, even when dogs and mutilators from outside are trying to attack, we are supposed to have a calmness and a rest and a peace that still just keeps telling them the truth of what God's Word says. We're not supposed to be freaking out. We're not supposed to be freaking out. Again, why? Why would we witness like that with our lives to all men? The Lord is at hand. Listen to me. The Lord, the, is a definite article because there's only one Lord. Kurios, supreme in authority. The controller, the master of the universe. There's only one. He's at hand. He's coming soon. His imminent return Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But meanwhile, we want to make sure that people see a witness that's gentle, that's moderate, that has temperance, that continues to run the same race and tell them the same thing, no matter what all the lies of the media, no matter what all the lies of the other preachers, no matter what, we point them back to the word, prayer, and fellowship, which is always going to be relevant. It's always truth. It's unchanging. And it always, always will save your soul if you follow it. No matter what. Think about it. Righteous Noah continued to preach 120 years. And guess what happened? Truth happened. God spoke and he released the waters from underneath and the waters from above. And they flooded the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, just like he said. God's never said anything that he wasn't going to do. And I believe that we still have this going on right now. The Lord is at hand. Do you believe? Think about it. This was 2,000 years ago. And they said, let your gentleness, let your witness, let your moderation, let your forbearance with others as you witness and tell them the truth be known, gnosko, they would understand it, they would come to know it, they would continue to know it, it would continue to grow that witness upon them, the same way we do it the other way when we come to know Jesus, we start to grow, we continue to grow, we keep on growing, and we come to a full understanding when we see him face to face. That's the way they're supposed to see our gentleness, our moderation, that our life's underneath a different marching drum. We're following the Spirit. They're following wickedness. And they need to see this constant pace, this constant walk, that we don't move with every shadow and shifting just like God doesn't. Because our character is being defined by a foundational rock, by a truth. Everything that we do is because of truth, not because of them going, move. We don't jump when they say jump. We do what we do because of what the Spirit of God says, not because the world and its education system, its government system, its one world order, we don't follow that. Our authority is not from the devil. But we know that 1 John 5, 19 says, I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of wickedness. The wicked one. That's the government we do not follow. That's the authority we do not adhere to. That's the one we are exposing in our gentleness, in our moderation, in our forbearance. We continue to say, that's what you guys want to believe. Believe it. But I'm going this direction because I'm building an ark for my family so that anybody that wants to get in it can be saved. And I'm going to keep following this path no matter if I'm by myself or not. I'm going to keep going this way. And I want all men to know it, no matter what. Because the Lord is nigh, near is what the word means, at hand. Listen, he's right here right now because he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's been here once. He came as the Lamb of God. He's coming again as the judge of the whole earth. The Lord is near. And you know what? If it isn't in the next 20 years, all of us are old enough that it's going to be really soon with us anyway. 
that we are going to see the Lord face to face and be cast either into hell or he's going to say, enter into my rest. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Receive the crown that's been prepared for you. But I would like to tell you that over in Matthew 24, let's look in Matthew 24. We'll just spend a little time. I'm not going to stay too long in Matthew 24. In fact, I didn't even mark it, but I want you to know that Matthew 24 is a chapter that tells us, well, we'll just read it. We don't have to, uh, 24 verse 1. Jesus still with the boys. He's on the planet. He's walking with them. The word of God, living word of God, the Lamb of God is walking right there with them, just like he is with you and me. But how's he doing it with you and me? He sent his spirit back to be with us and live in our heart and always be with us. As many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God. Well, it's the spirit of truth. It's Jesus walking with us. The same way that Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. Right now, God wants to walk with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to lead you. He wants to uncover the scripture. He wants you to know that you can let your gentleness and your moderation be known to all men. Because he's here. He's at hand. He's nigh. He was telling the boys. He said this in 24.1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Uh, there in Jerusalem and his disciples disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple and Jesus said to them do you not see all these things listen to me listen to me do you guys not see all the things that are going on on our planet it's not the time of the signs it's the, it, it, or excuse me it's not the sign of the times it's the time of the signs there's so many signs going on worldwide to show us what is going on do you not see these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Listen to me. That's what's getting ready to happen on our planet. This is a type of it. This was just their little bitty geographical area that they put all their trust in. There's a, there's a whole bunch of people right now that's putting their, all their trust in this world. And not one stone of it is going to be left. It's all going to be thrown down. Soon. Now, as he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. See, because he's saying this stuff in front of everybody, but you can come to him privately and grow and learn, saying, tell us, when, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? And what? The end of the age. The end of the age. Man, wouldn't you guys like to know that? Wouldn't you like to know when the end of the age is? Like so you can go run and play and do what you want and then come back about the day before? That's not a good heart. That's not a good thing to think about. That's what we did with our parents when they were on vacation and we ran around the house and did whatever we wanted. Our parent already knows what we're doing. The father knows. Listen to me. Now this would be a good time for Jesus just to tell him the date and then we can wait for his return. But look what he wants you to know. He says in verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to them, This is what was on his heart when they asked this question, when they were freaking out, when they were anxious. What's going to happen? He said, Take heed that no one deceives you. Listen, are you taking heed in your life that you're not deceived? Planeo, caused to roam from safety. Well, what's safety, Greg? Salvation. You're safely delivered into the Father's house. That's what salvation is, delivered from the sin nature, back under the authority of God, into his government, his kingdom forever. And yet Jesus warns them not to be caused to roam from that safety, caused to flee from it or come out of the way. Instead of being led by his spirit, instead of listening to him, that you could be deceived. Well, how? Well, he tells right here, for many will come in my name which means his character, his nature, his authority. It means his government according to his will. They're going to come and try to deceive. They're going to say, we're the authority. We're the government here. That's what the devil does. He lies and says, oh, you're going to be worried about this. You're going to be worried about this. Wait a minute. No, no, no. We're going to let our moderation be known to all men because the Lord is at hand. We're going to follow what he says, not what the world is doing. We're not going to get caught up in that part of it. 
We're going to keep witnessing the love of Jesus to everybody, but we're not going to march to that beat. Your government is not what's leading us. Your government's what put us in this place in the first place so that we would need a Savior because Eve listened to you. Many's going to come and they're going to say, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Do you know how many people is going to be seen? Bunch of them. Wide is the gate to destruction and many go there, but narrow is the gate to salvation. Narrow is that way where you keep going and you do not end up straying from salvation. It's narrow. You have to be focused upon it. You have to allow the Spirit of God to do it or you can just be running with all the many and think you're okay because you said a prayer once. Think you're okay because you go to church. Look how many people that are in church today. We were just talking about, there's churches that have, uh, uh, Malcolm Wilde's church down in Florida, 400 people that haven't come back. They've all been sitting underneath the Word of God, and 400 of them in Florida where everybody said, you know, they're doing things a whole lot different than what the government is. DeSantis is doing a whole lot of different stuff and saying, go on out, you got all this stuff going for you. They're setting them free to do whatever they want. And 400 people that said underneath the word of God at Malcolm's church for, won't come back because they'd rather watch on TV because it's safer. Because they believe the lie of the wicked one. Listen, they, they give up their witness. Sitting at home, not trusting God, is giving up your witness. Now, I'm not saying that every person has to run out. There's people that have, have, have some bad lungs. There's people that have disease. There's people that, that there's things going on with their body. That, they, that they, if they run out there and they wish to just catch the flu, they're going to die anyway. So they need to be safe. Because the flu kills how many people a year? And, and so does car wrecks. And so does fentanyl. And so does everything else. We're all going to die of something. But I don't want to die of fear. See, that's how we got into this mess. Adam and Eve were afraid. And they wouldn't fellowship with God. And they believed another government. And they listened to another voice other than God's. And the more you do it, the more you listen to that voice, the more you give in to that fear, the more you stay away from faith, the more you give in to it. And your faith dies. The more you give in to fear, it grows. Everybody knows this. Everybody's been afraid of something. Everybody's had a phobia. And the more you give into it instead of facing it with faith, faith doesn't hide. The light comes out and makes the darkness hide. Faith does not hide. Faith is a light on a hill that proclaims the gentleness, the moderation, the truth of God. So he says, don't be deceived, and that many are going to come in my name, and they're going to deceive you. Then he goes on and gives this list. There's going to be wars, rumors of wars. Right? See that you are not troubled. We're not supposed to be troubled about wars and rumors of wars. Think about that for a minute. See, because God's sovereign. He knows every hair on your head. He loves you with a never-ending love. He still wants you to seek his righteousness and know that everything else will be added to you. He still wants you to let your moderation and gentleness be known. Do you think God's afraid of their wars? Do you think he's afraid of their clanging their, their, their swords or talking about, we'll fight? God's not afraid of none of this stuff, and he's, he's our Father. We're in his house. He's got us. He bought us with the blood of Jesus. And you, I'm just telling you, listen to me. Listen to me. He wants every bit of that blood to get the fullest he can get, every soul that will believe. And he doesn't want to waste any of it. He's not going to go, oh, man, my son gave his blood, and I forgot all about them. I left them behind during the war. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you're covered in the blood, that blood is enough. If you're covered in the blood, you're fine. And God's going to make sure of that. But you have to be careful that you're not deceived into believing the lie and following the fear and all the chaos. Because next comes worry. 
and anxiousness. Next, you begin to forget that you've got a sentry. You've got the Spirit of God guarding your heart. That's our next week's verse. You begin to build up and believe and follow the sway of the world, and then you're right there with them, even though you're a child of God. Oh, the blood isn't enough. I need Fauci, too. The blood isn't enough. I need this, too. No, Jesus is enough. Don't let them steal your heart, your faith, your direction. There's going to be these wars. There's going to be troubles. But it's not the end yet. For nation will rise against nation. Ethnicity will rise against ethnicity. You know what I mean? Black Lives Matter. All these groups are going to come up. All these different tribes are going to say, listen, in the kingdom of God, there's neither black or white, Jew nor free, slave or skinny. There's only just the children of God. No grandchildren, just children. We don't have to enter into that fray. We just keep letting our gentleness, our moderation, our temperance, our patience, let it keep telling it with our witness and our walk that you need to come to Jesus. It's not a skin problem. It's a sin problem. Just keep letting them know where they need to go. That's what we're called to do. Then there's going to be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. But he says all these are just the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Because of his government, because of his authority, because of his will, because of his character. And then many will be offended. Uh-oh, they will stumble and will betray one another and hate one another. See, that's in the church already today. Already today, we're divided by parties. We're divided by uh, social agendas, CRT. We're divided by, by socialism and things that have nothing to do with the Spirit of God. They're all flesh. look at verse 11 then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many that's because many will go into the destruction false prophets what's a prophet do they've always the entire bible they foretell the word of god old testament they heard it straight from god god told them and they went and told it it wasn't written down anywhere they just went and told them what god said and they foretold the word of God. Now we have it. He told us the end from the beginning. And the true prophets should be declaring what's going on. The false prophets are going to tell you that, oh, there's hope. It's okay. Gas prices are going to, it's okay. It's all going to be back to normal. Really? Do you want normal? Normal was abortion, gay marriage. Normal was all kinds of crazy things. Normal's not coming back to God. That's abnormal. We want to come back to God. We want people to come to salvation. The church is called to be a witness. I want people to return to their first love. I don't want them to return to a robust economy where they think they're okay and that they're doing good and everything's running good and now I can go headlong into hell. That's deception. We want people to come to repentance. I don't think Noah was like, hey, hey, hey. You know what? If you guys repent over there, it won't rain. No, God already set a date. And he set a date for the finality of the world. And no matter what happens, you can't come back to God unless you do it through the blood of Jesus. So returning to the norm is not the norm. Returning to, to true life is returning to Jesus. We already have that Savior. We don't need another Savior to bring us back to norm. We need Jesus to bring us back to the Father's house. That's norm. That's true norm for the church. We need to return to our first love and come back to fellowship with him and stop listening to the world and its government and begin to listen to the spirit of God that leads the children of God straight to the throne room of God where Jesus is seated already. False prophets, they're going to deceive many. Are you being deceived? Jesus warned us not to stray from truth. And then verse 12, why will they see many? Because lawlessness will abound. Really? What's abounding? I mean, the president just said, let's, let's, we want to put this initiative across the whole United States. 
that there is no bond. We just release criminals. Wow, I wonder how lawlessness came about. wonder how we ended up with a whole bunch of lawlessness and everybody trying to defend themselves in chaos. If you will not allow the, our, our, our jurisprudence system to actually work, we should keep murderers in jail. If you don't separate them and they know there's no punishment, it's been going on. See, people think, oh, it just started. It's been going on forever. Every person in the system knows that you can fill a urine screen three times. They know that you can get in trouble three times. They know that they're not going to put you back in prison as long as you don't do something. And you can mess up and mess up and mess up. And as long as they know that, well, there's a couple things going on. One is they're going to keep messing up. Just like if you release them with no bond, what do you think they're going to do next? <laughs> I'm going back out to do some more crime. I'm going to get a little bit worse this time. But think about the mindset and the heart that's being set up. They think that no punishment's coming. That they're going to get away with this for eternity. It makes Jesus look like he's not a savior. I don't need a savior because I can just keep doing this. I remember as a juvenile, I did the same thing. They would release me to my mom no matter what I did. I robbed the store, they released me to my mom. I beat somebody up, they released me to my mom. I, I, I'm out drinking and partying, they released me to my mom. I'm like, well, y'all play it. I can just keep doing this, huh? Oh, it didn't work like that. I ended up in prison for 12 years. I ended up getting a huge sentence and going, what happened? But it was the Lord saving me from killing myself. Listen, lawlessness will abound. And here's the worst part. The love of many will grow cold. Wow. Are you serious? Our love for God, our love for fellow men, our love to be gentle and mild and tell people the truth so that they can go to heaven and be part of it. It'll grow cold. We used to sing that song, Don't Let My Love Grow Cold. I'm crying out. Light the fire again. See, this is what Jesus wants us to do, to come back to our first love, to light that fire, to be concerned about the souls of other people. Not to let your love grow cold and you hide in your house and be selfish and go, I'm just worried about me and I'm just so afraid I might catch COVID. These are all tools of the devil to deceive us. We're supposed to go and make disciples. I was encouraged. I read, I read Heidi's newsletter. Have you read it? So it's so encouraging. She's trapped in China. Can't come home. Nobody can come visit her. She's in China. Loving it. Starting kids clubs with the little kids to teach them about Jesus. Her life changed. When, when China locked down, China's locked down. I, you can say all the other stuff you want. They are, they, are, they, are, they are attacking the whole world. They want to take over with the economy. They want to take over as the world power. And the devil is the tool behind it. But she is trapped over there as a missionary. She's been over there for 13 years. And she's excited. She's like, look at the joy. She's having joy. And what's she doing? Starting little kids clubs using the nationals, the Chinese people. Their little church is growing but the Chinese people that are adults, she said in the newsletter, and I'm paraphrasing, it's amazing to see that the adults, as they teach the little bitty kids, the adults are like little bitty kids because they never grew up in Sunday school. And so they're having just as much fun as the kids are as they hear about Jesus, as they play games and do things. They're like, wow, we grew up underneath this evil regime because it's the government that's mean. The devil's government, the Chinese government, any socialist government. It's not the people over there. They need salvation. But they've been held under the thumb of, of the devil and, and this crazy regime for years. And we have Christians over there that are sharing the gospel with them. And wow, that's a calling. That you're trapped there now. She can't come home. Nobody can come in. The borders are closed. Well, how come nobody's talking about them closing their borders and having walls? How come it's just in America that, oh, Americans are so bad? How come we're not talking about what other nations are doing? 
because all of us are going through it. China's allowed, China gets a free card to do anything they want to do because they're the ones behind it all. The devil's using them. They're our biggest enemy right now other than Satan. They're the ones trying to destroy our economy. They're the ones in control of all the shipping lanes. They're the ones keeping the shelves empty. They're the ones in Biden's pocket and half the Republicans also. They're the ones that are gonna have all the pharmacy. They're the ones that created the virus. They're the ones that created the vaccine for the virus. They're paying for it. They're the ones that own all of our America Forbes magazine, they own all of this stuff. They bought our schools, they bought our colleges, they bought our ports, and everybody sits by and goes, we allowed to talk politics in church? Well, I'm free to talk about whatever I want to talk about. And I want to talk about truth. I want to talk about Jesus, but you can't talk about Jesus and about truth without pointing at the enemy. You expose the enemy when you shine light on him. Listen to me. Lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. But look at verse 13, and we'll move on. We'll close this up. But he or she who endures to the end shall be saved. Soteria shall be saved. Enduring to the end. Abiding. Continue. Remaining. Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, I think it is, to the disciples who believe, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Are you free? Are you rejoicing in the Lord? What do people say about you? What are you making known about you to others? By your actions, by your witness, by what you talk about, by what you do. Because look at verse 14. It's going to happen whether you're involved or not. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Listen, it's going to be preached whether we're involved or not. But he's given us the privilege to be involved, to be led by the Spirit, to continue to maintain, to talk about the Word, and to tell people about Jesus no matter what's going on with China and the virus. The China virus... I'm just having a little bit of fun. But it's serious. It's serious. There's an enemy trying to rob, kill, and destroy us. And we have to wake up to it. Now let me get you to where I wanted to get you to, and we'll close, all right? Why is the Lord at hand? Why do we believe that it's the end? Flip on down. You can read the rest of it later. But Jesus answers this question that they ask. When will the end of the age be? Verse 32, Jesus tells them as he answers the question. So they asked the question. He just told them all the things in the middle of it. But in 32, he says, now learn. What does that mean? If you need to learn how to add two and two, what does it mean? He says, now learn this parable. This is something, it's a story. It's laid alongside a spiritual truth. Something that's cast out and laid alongside Learn this parable from the fig tree. From the fig tree? Really? Listen. Israel is the fig tree. Listen. Israel is the vine. Are you guys with me? Israel is the olive tree. The church is the vine. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man abide in me, he'll bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. The church can be part of the olive tree, but the church is not part of the fig tree. That's national Israel. The church is the fig tree. Remember Jesus coming out of Jerusalem and he cursed the fig tree because there was no fruit on it? That's Israel. They were supposed to be telling all people, letting their gentleness and their moderation be known to all men, telling them about God, sending a Savior, and they made up their own little religion. And they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't bear fruit. And Jesus cursed it and said, let no more fruit grow on you anymore. And it withered away. And the disciples were freaking out because they came back the next day and it was already withered away. It died that quick. But when God speaks... Whatever he says happens. 
It always happens. That's why we want to be listening to his voice. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. See, we don't want to be like the fig tree. The fig tree was apostate, yet the church is now apostate. The church has now bore no fruit. We listen to no voice. We do what we want to do, like the days of judges. There's no king, so we all do what seems right in our own eyes. Instead of searching for and articulating and learning the voice of God so that he would know us and we could follow him and not be deceived and be out of the way like he warned us, we, do, we didn't learn. Now listen, when its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. There's that same word. The Lord is near. The Lord is nigh. It's the word nigh in the King James. The Lord is nigh. He's ready. He's at hand is what it means when you search it out. So you also, when you see all these things, all these birthing pains, all this lawlessness, all these false prophets, all these wars and rumors of wars, plague, pestilence, increase in earthquakes, know that it is nigh. It's at the door. Right? We're seeing it all. It's the time of the signs. It's not the sign of the times. There's so many signs everywhere. It's nigh. It's at the doors. Verse 34, Assuredly I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Listen to me. The generation that what? Sees the fig tree blossom. May 14, 1948, Israel began to blossom. They became a sovereign nation once again. Never happened before. Never, ever before that a nation was disbanded and then God brought them back. But he prophesied that he would bring them back. He knew that he would bring them back. The good teachers of old, the good prophets of old, and, and when you read their commentaries, they say, we don't know how it's going to happen, but God's going to bring them back. Because he said he was going to bring them back. Other people, what do they do? They come up with nonsense, like what we call replacement theology. And they said, the church now has all the promises that God made to Israel. Not true. God brought the nation of Israel back. They're still coming back to Israel from all around the world today. We have a church in, in, in Jerusalem uh, uh, that brings people back. they got a program back to Zion. And they're bringing them back. They're paying for them. When they come back, they put them up in houses. They give them furniture. They take care of them because they know that this is God's will that they come back to the homeland. Listen. The generation that sees Israel blossom, put forth its leaves is us. But what is a generation? Now, I believe family generation is 40 years. Go back to the very first covenant, Genesis 15. Genesis 15. Let me turn there. I want you to see it in your Bibles. If you're watching this video, get your Bible, pause the video, turn back to Genesis 15. It's when God had promised to Abram, which means father. Abraham means father of many nations. Abraham is the Hebrew for Abba, which we just sang earlier. Abram, I had a person who was a Jew tell me that today. Means father, father of many nations, Abram. Look at 1512. I'm not going to tell you about the Eleazar when Abraham is complaining to God about the promises. God comes in verse 12 to him. Now when the sun was going down, guess what? It's getting dark. It's getting dark. Lawlessness is abounding. It's getting really dark in our world because the church is not shining its light. The sun's going down. A deep sleep fell upon Abram. A deep sleep has fallen upon the church. The Bible says, Awake you who sleep and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, redeeming the time. Not as fools, but as wise. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Some people have horror and great darkness falling upon them now because they're not trusting God by faith. 
Then he said to Abram, who said? God said, no certainly. This is, he said, no certainly. You know what? If you hear God's voice and he says you can know this certainly, you know this certainly. Listen to me. That your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. If you know your Bible, you know that. This is the children of Israel. They, they go down because why? Joshua is second in command down in Egypt. And he goes and rescues his father from a famine that's going to be for seven years. And during the seven years of plenty, they come down the, to Egypt. And then one, there's one that arises that doesn't know Joseph. Did I say Joshua before? I did, didn't I? I just realized that when I said Joseph, I get their names mixed up all the time. But Joshua means the Lord is salvation. Yeshua, which is Jesus' name. And Joseph is a type of Jesus, but never mentioned in the Bible that he's a type because he's second with the signet ring, given all authority in the land of Egypt. And that's a type. And he provides for all the people so that they do not die. That's a type of Christ. He says they're going to be afflicted down there for 400 years. So they come down there thinking it's their salvation and they end up in bondage. And Pharaoh begins to kill their male children. Boy, that's what's going on in our culture today. Listen to me. They're killing the babies. They're killing the male children. They're killing the heads of the families. They're killing them. They're killing them. They don't want them to grow. They're just doing it in a different way than what they did in Egypt. They don't want men to be leaders. They don't want men to be men. They don't want men to act like men. They want to say there's no gender. You can be whatever you want. That is called death culture. It's killing God's word. Men are supposed to be men. I'm sorry. 400 years. I want to get you to this point. 14, 15, 14 of Genesis. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Remember he does, remember? They plunder their land. And when they go out chasing them, they all die in the Red Sea. He judged them. Pharaoh and his armies. He killed them. Afterward, they will come out with great possessions. Verse 15. Now, as for you, Abram, the father of many nations, he hasn't even changed his name yet to Abraham. It's Abram right now. You shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. That's speaking of our peace, of our rest, because we come to salvation. But notice in verse 16, but in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now, why do I bring you here? Because I want you to understand that a generation is 100 years. Because he said in verse 13 that they're going to afflict them for 400 years, right? But in verse 16, he says that in the fourth generation, do the math. 400 years divided by four generations, that's 100 years per generation. He says they're going to come back in the fourth generation. That makes a generation 100 years. Now, why am I telling you that? Because Jesus says the generation that sees the fig tree put forth its leaves and begin to blossom will not pass away till all things are fulfilled. He answered their question of when the end of the age would be. He answered their question. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not. And this is Genesis. This is origin. This is where things begin at. And he tells us that a generation is 100 years here. And then he answers them the same way. So May 14, 1948. Now you go 100 years, which would be 2048. May 14, 2048 is 100 years away from when the leaves begin to blossom. Now, I'm not a prophet. I work for a, a nonprofit organization. Stole that joke, liked that joke. I'm going to tell that joke. No one knows the day or the hour. No one does. Not even the son. When the father will tell him to go get your bride. But we know that we see that it's drawing nigh. It's drawing near. It's at the door. It's, it's actually 27 years away from today's day. 27 years. And if you count seven years as a tribulation, we could be inside of 20 years before the rapture of the church. And all I'm saying is, is if you believe that 100 years is a generation,
situation, we could be with inside. If you believe that, that Israel is the fig tree, if you believe that they blossomed and they started to grow some leaves, no fruit yet, their fruit's going to come in the tribulation when 144,000 of them become screaming evangelists because they realize that Jesus is Lord and the Antichrist was sitting in their temple. They don't serve him. And they see the truth. They hear the truth. And they begin to tell others. Listen to me. Maybe 20 years. But the inequity of our Amorites, the Gentiles, that's what that stands for there. It's not yet complete, but it's at the door. It's close. It's coming soon. Are you ready? Are you letting your gentleness be known to all men? Your moderation. The Lord is at hand. He will be here soon. Soon and very soon. Even if he doesn't come, we're going to see the king. Because we're not youngins here. Now, some of us are youngins, like my grandson back there. He might be another 60, 70 years. But I think the Lord is coming back. I think that we can see it on the horizon. I think we should know it. I think we should live like it. And I think we should be the screaming evangelist. And we should not shut up. Because the Lord has told us to go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then do what, Greg? Teach them to obey all that he commanded us. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Not teach them to do whatever they want, whatever they want, however they want, because they said a prayer. Now, the grace of God is sufficient but we are called to follow and not be deceived and go following anything we want. We are called to choose to obey and not choose the government of the world. Not choose to lie as Eve did. We've been set free to choose Jesus and to choose to hear his voice. And he would know us and we would follow him and not be deceived. Because where is he seated at, people? He ascended. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father. That's where we want to go. That's where we want to be. We cannot get there following the earthly government, following fear, following anxiety, following anything other than the Spirit of God who would lead us into heavenly places. Next week, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious. Be careful for nothing but all things through prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. Here, thanksgiving's coming up. Listen, thanksgiving is not a fruit of the Spirit. Listen, it's a choice. When you see the truth, you're thankful because He opened your eyes. It's a choice you make to be thankful about the things of God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Why? Because that's what God's already doing. Our spirit positionally is sanctified. He's working right now on our hearts and minds. He's working on that because he wants to sanctify us, spirit, soul, and body, all of us, that we would voluntarily, because he first loved us, learn to love him and obey him because of the spirit that's in us, because we see that his ways are always right and there's no wisdom or counsel against the Lord. Amen? Put that in your memory bank. Write it on a piece of paper. Put it in your pocket. That's what I like to do. It's a lot of scripture. It's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. We'll probably take a couple weeks on it. But we're not supposed to be worrying because we know who's on the throne. We're not supposed to be anxious because we know who's on the throne. We're supposed to be careful for nothing. Think about that for a minute. Be careful! No, he says be careful for nothing. Nothing that's in his will. Nothing that he's called us to do. We can go out and do it with boldness. The righteous are bold as a lion. But I'm afraid. You don't have to be. Father, thank you for your word. Pour out your spirit. Set your people free. Thank you for setting the captives free in Christ. Lead us by your spirit. Baptize us afresh and anew. Give us boldness to speak as we ought to speak, as Paul cried out to the Ephesians to pray for him, that he would be able to speak. And he was in prison, just like he is in this chapter here in Philippians. He's in prison, writing to encourage us 
that we could still let our gentleness be known to all men because the Lord is at hand. Even in prison, we can let that be known by how we live. Help us to be good witnesses for you. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.